Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. Acts chapter 14. Every day, day and night, the natural creation testifies that God is there. And Romans 1 says, just by creation alone... Man is what? Without excuse. He is inexcusable before God because day and night, the natural revelation of the cosmos give the sign that there is a creator. Watch an eagle in flight. Go somewhere where you can see more than a few stars. Amen. (laughs) You got to kind of go out of town to do that. The oceans, snow-capped mountains, You ever gone to one of those places with a big aquarium and seen the complexity and variety of what God has made? Ever looked in the mirror and looked at your eye and marveled at the creator's intelligence? He's the awesome chemist. He made six million forms of plants and animals, reproduction, self-healing of the body, day and night. The natural creation testifies. Folks, There's no atheists. Atheists simply suppress the truth that is all around them. And not only is it external, Romans 1 says it's also internal. They have the witness of their conscience. They have the Imago Dei in Latin, the image of God written on their very souls, on their DNA. They know, but they suppress it. So Paul doesn't have to do much explaining. He just says, God, this living God made the heavens and the earth Psalm 115 says, their idols, that is, of idolaters, are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them, Psalm 115, verse 8, will become like them, everyone who trusts in them. Idols are not just something that you kind of say, oh, whatever. If you make them, you will become like them. And idols, with the word vain, are empty, worthless, and devoid of truth. And if you follow them, that's what you will become. Empty, worthless, and devoid of truth. And you might say, Pastor, that's, that's harsh. You know what? That was me. I was driving around in a Maserati at about 20 years old. Had two turbos on it. And I sang the song. My Maserati does 185. When it's not broken, I can actually take a drive. Because that's what it was. It's broken all the time frozen turbo, but I wanted to drive it because I look cool, look at me, and then I'd go home. thing was burning a hole in my pocket, but my soul was empty. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell therein. He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Paul says, in the generations gone by, 16, God permitted all nations to go their own ways. God put up with sin and idolatry for a long time. 
focused his efforts on Israel and wanted Israel obviously to be a light to the Gentiles. And yet he did not leave himself without a witness in that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. I wonder how many unbelievers, when they watch a sunset, say, you know what? God is good. What an awesome, majestic thing the sun is. Just the right distance from the earth and the moon to control the ocean tides. Just the right distance away. Isn't it nice that we have a meal today? I mean, I wonder how many unbelievers, the next time they go to another meal, think of pausing and saying, you know what, maybe we should give thanks. A creator supplied all this stuff. Food and water and sunshine and rain. Glad times, Jesus says. Matthew 5.45, God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. See, God hasn't left himself without a witness. Every time your crops get rain and your sun feels the, your, your face feels the sun, stop. Count your blessings. And even in saying these things, verse 18, with difficulty restrain the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. The people were kind of listening, but they weren't really listening. But Jews came from Antioch, uh, Pisidian Antioch here where they had been before been kicked out and Iconium where the threat on their life was and having won over the multitude so the antagonists did not give up they followed them they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city supposing him to be dead now you want to talk about feast and famine you know pro athletes know how crowds are you can hit a home run and they're ah, you're our hero they'll hold up a sign for you then you strike out Ooh, right throw him out of town get the bum out of here can you imagine you went from being called a god he's zeus he's hermes to give me a rock wow people are fickle and all of a sudden rocks start flowing at zeus and hermes they're not really that but you know what i'm saying and it didn't take long. And I remember on a Palm Sunday, there was another one that rode into Jerusalem, and the people said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And the palm branches were going, and praises were being sung. And in that same week, that crowd said, being embittered and poisoned by religious leaders, crucify him. Why? Because Jesus didn't meet their expectations. Same for this crowd. We want you to be Zeus and you to be Hermes and you're going to do it our way because this is our tradition. They said, no, 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 no. We're men. We're pointing you to Christ. Oh, we don't like that. Here's a rock. That's how people are in America. We want it our way. We're told that that's the way it should be is our way, not God's way. You're going to line up with my theology, man, and the moment you don't, you're out of here. And so they stone Paul and... This would be a bloody, terrible thing. Can you imagine as the first rock flew at Paul, he must have been thinking back to the stoning of Stephen when people laid their cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul and and Saul gave approval to it and now rocks are flying his way. Boom, boom, being hit with rocks. Can you imagine that? Having a huge crowd all throwing rocks at you? 
And one after another, after another, he was hit and hit and hit again. And finally, they said he's dead. And they dragged him out of their city. It wasn't enough that they stoned him. They dragged him out of the city. And they said, that, that dude's dead. Good riddance. See you later. Obviously, he's not a god. And I'm, I don't know what god he's talking about, but I don't know where that god is now. Because he's dead. Right? Second Corinthians 12, Paul tells a story. He says, I know a man in Christ who about 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or out of the body, I do not know. God knows such a man was caught up to the third heaven. I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up to paradise. And he heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. Many scholars believe that the stoning at Lystra was what Paul's referring to in 2 Corinthians 12, that when he was hit with these rocks, he had what we call in modern times a near-death experience. But Paul wasn't just dead. He was caught up to a place that he called what? Paradise or heaven. You know, in the movie Field of Dreams, you remember the scene when the dad, uh, it's, Kevin Costner realizes that his dad has been the catcher and this has all been about him and his dad and reconciliation. And the dad looks at Kevin Costner and says, is this heaven? And Kevin in that famous line says, no, it's Iowa. (laughs) And then he says, is there a heaven? And the dad says, oh yeah. It's the place where dreams come true. It's a great scene. And in that moment when we're watching a movie, we think, you know what? Is there a heaven? And you know, Jesus and Paul and the others said, oh yeah, it's called paradise. And when you close your eyes on this side, if you know Christ, you'll be with him and those you love forever. And there's Paul on the ground, and I'm sure the disciples are standing over him, whoever is in that city, uh, including Barnabas. And while they stood around him, maybe thinking about, what do we do with his body? Where do we bury him? He arose. Look at verse 20. And what did he do? He entered the city? I tell you what, I don't care how hurt I was, I would not be going back to Lystra. Right? And Paul, <laughs> what are we going to do? We're gonna do uh, hey, boys, it's cool. Let's go back. And I'm sure it was kind of like, some of you have, you've joined the gym right after the holidays, right? Some of you are in traction right now. You're, you're about two workouts and you're done. <laughs> I'm sore, man. I'm sore. Give me a cookie. Anyway, so. So he entered the city and the next day he went away with Barnabas to Derby. Just, just a side note, that's a 40 to 60 mile walk after you just been hit with multiple rocks. I'd be looking for a scooter or someone with one of those little carts. On they go. Now, certainly there had to be a side discussion. Okay. In the next city, you know that vacation you were talking about? Let's, let's go ahead and take that. We'll play golf just for a day. But notice, 21. After they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples. See, can you see the devil 
working against them in all kinds of different ways. But people get saved and set free from dumb idols, vain things to the living God, and they returned to where? To Lystra. Now you're going to watch them retrace their steps. And to Iconium and to Antioch. So just follow the map now back. And what did they do when they went to these places where new believers were and churches were formed? They strengthened the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. And they said, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Now I will bet you that none of you have that verse on your refrigerator to encourage you for the day. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said, here's a promise. In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And when tribulation and trouble comes our way, you know what we do? We go, oh God, what are you doing to me? How early in this account would you have hung up your gospel preaching shoes? Hmm? One rock be enough? You know, we are so quick to abandon that which we know is right because we catch a little heat. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. In Antioch, thrown out. In Iconium, they found out about a plot on their lives. In Lystra, stoned and dragged out. But Paul says, none of these things move me. I don't even count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Nothing will stop me. Paul said, to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. How do you stop a guy like that? There's an ancient story of a preacher. He's in the pulpit, not that ancient, because the guy has a gun. The guy comes in with a gun and takes four shots at the pastor while he's preaching in the pulpit. One bullet flies by this ear. Another bullet flies by that ear. One bullet flies under his arm this way. Another bullet under his arm this way. Not once did the preacher even stop his sermon. The gunman ran away. And the preacher kept preaching. If someone were to ask you to fill in the blank, for to me to live is, would the next word be Christ? If someone... The closest person to you were to testify about your life. To him, to live is, I wonder what that would say. That's a challenge to me and to you. And so when they had appointed elders for them in every church, so they were concerned about strengthening the believers with all the trouble that was going on, and they made sure there was stable leadership, verse 23, by appointing elders Having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And they passed through Pisidia and came to, into Pamphylia. Uh, and when they had spoken the word in Perga, which again, now they're going, heading back, uh, retracing their steps, they went down to Italia, probably where they had first landed on Asia Minor. And from there they sailed to Antioch, now back to Antioch in Syria across the Mediterranean from which they had been commended to the grace of God. They were the original sending church for the work that they had accomplished. They were first called Christians in Antioch in Syria. And when they had arrived and gathered the church together, 
they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. So they reported back to the sinning church. And where was their focus? On all that God had done and the door that he had opened to the Gentiles. They kept saying, this is what God did in this city. And oh, by the way, see this scar? When I was four, my brother hit me right now. This scar is from a rock in Lystra. This scar is from this place. This, and Paul says in Galatians 6.17, I bear in my body the brand marks of Christ. This one I got in this city. This one I got over here. You see, he was a man on a mission. And the people in the home church, I'm sure, were rejoicing. And they spent a long time with the disciples in that location. Now we're going to turn to 2 Timothy and we're done. 2 Timothy, please begin to prepare your heart for communion. 2 Timothy chapter 3, this is the second to the last chapter that Paul will write this side of heaven. And he's writing to the young pastor, Timothy. Uh, Yesterday, my son gave a report to the men's breakfast, 30 guys or so here, and reported all that God had done in England. And it was awesome to hear a young man at 20 years old street witnessing and seeing spiritual warfare and having the Lord move through him and others around him and seeing people get saved in a very dark region of the world. And that's what was going on. And this quote has been attributed either to Teddy Roosevelt or Winston Churchill. He says, It's not the critic that counts, nor the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or how the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs again and again. Because there is no striving without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasms and the great devotions, who spends his life in a worthy cause. In the end, if he knows success of high achievement, it is satisfactory. If in the end he knows failure, even that's not that bad. At least he will not be counted among these cold and timid souls who know neither victory or defeat. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 10, Paul writes to Timothy. He says, But you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance. Persecutions and sufferings such as happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. Just a reminder to Bible students, Paul, uh, Timothy and his family, including Lois and Eunice, became believers or apparently got recruited and they lived in a city called Lystra. And I think they were probably encouraged by a brave man who refused to not preach the gospel though his life was on the line. And that's where Timothy came from. And Lois and Eunice was Lystra. You never know who you might inspire with your courage. And so he says to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. And indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
You, however, continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings of the Holy Scriptures, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. I close with the words of an old hymn that were shared by my hero, Walter Martin. Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and strength and mind and serve the King of Kings. Rise up, O men of God, the church for you doth wait, her strength unequal to her task. Rise up and make her great. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the joys and the trials, because trials do bring both perseverance and maturity. And you work through them all. And in all these things, Paul says, we overwhelmingly conquer. I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height nor depth shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you for that hope that we overwhelmingly conquer through him. We're not just conquerors. We overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Thank you for the hope. And in this year to come, I pray that each soul here would be brave, hold to their course, do what's right, honor the God that gave them life, and the God that will carry us all safely home into your heavenly kingdom. One day we will fly away. And until that day comes, Lord, may we be consistent and brave. And when we fail, may we lean upon your grace and know that you're the God who will continue to hold us up and give us strength. I just want to pray for the precious people who have gathered on this Sunday morning. You know where each of their hearts are. You know what they're going through right now. May you give them grace and strength. May you rekindle the flame of mission for that which transcends the temporary, Father. May you stir me and this church to a mission with the year ahead, not just passing us by without passion to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's why we're here. If you don't know Christ, cry out to him. Lord, save me. Say something like that. Say it right now. Lord, save me. Forgive me. He will. He died for you. Ask him to be your Savior and your Lord. Ask him into your life. Don't shut him out. Don't push him away. Don't judge yourself unworthy of his gift. Receive it. If you're a saint here and you've been struggling, be of good cheer. There will be troubles But Jesus says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. One day he will make it right. If you're backslidden today, I pray he'll give you a fresh vision of what your life should be 
and you'll get back to where you need to be. Father, we love you. And as we prepare our hearts to come to your table now, thank you that you invite us there by your love and grace. And that you want to strengthen us as we fellowship with you. May your living waters flow over each precious person here. And as we take in the symbols of the cross, your shed blood, may we look forward, not only looking back, but look forward to your coming again for us. We love you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. You, my friend, and I'm, and I'm preaching to myself now, we are ambassadors of the gospel as though God were pleading through us for people to be reconciled to God. The verse goes on that he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. I want to ask you, as you are listening to Christian Radio right now, do you know Jesus Christ? Has an ambassador shared the gospel? Maybe this is the first time that you're hearing the clear gospel. Here's what it is. Jesus Christ is God. He came into this world and paid the ransom price for my sin and yours at the cross, died and shed his precious blood. He rose from the dead and on the cross, God treated, God the Father treated God the Son as though he'd committed all of our transgressions. And he laid upon him the iniquity of us all because God so loved the world. God so loved you. God so loved me. And what he's asking is for a response. He's saying, this is my love. I put it on display at the cross. I've defeated sin, death, the enemy, the grave, um, all of it through the cross and resurrection of my son. Will you believe? Will you put your faith in him? Will you trust in him? And right now is your opportunity. If you have not trusted in Jesus, do it today. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Pray it right now. I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, into this world. I believe that he died on the cross to take my punishment, to bear my sin, and to pay my ransom at the cross. I believe in his resurrection from the dead, and I want to put my full trust and faith in him right now. I repent. Forgive me for my sin. Change me from the inside out. I want uh, to be your follower. Please be my Lord. Please be my Savior. You don't have to have a perfect prayer, but... It's something like that. And I would encourage you if you're a prodigal and you've been running from God, that you would do the same right now. Would you please let us know of your decision that you've made today? You can uh, connect with us through livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. You can find a bunch of information there and, and various links to sermons and church information and the like. You can also uh, reach out to us through the contact form. And let us know that you're listening. If the program's been, been a blessing to you, we'd like to know. And if you have the ability to give, you can give through the website to this ministry. We appreciate you listening to the uh, program Living Truth Radio. Uh, please keep us in prayer. And we appreciate our listening audience very much. And we will catch you next time on Living Truth Radio.